This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? It's going to be nice. We got lots of winter ahead of us, but we got lots of time to do stuff in the garden. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next hour. Hey, y'all. I'm Horticulturist Phil Rushing, and you've tuned in to Mississippi Public Broadcasting at Stalk Gardener. We're just going to talk about it. I know it's the end of January. We're about to start February. we got stuff on our minds, stuff to do, stuff not to do. But if you just want to talk about it. But mostly it's going to be me and Java Chapman and all the other folks at Mississippi Public Broadcasting opening up this screen door we call the Gardener. We're just going to talk about it. So sit back, relax. Now, I know it's cold. It's cold, but you know what? That's what it's supposed to be this time of year. Hey, Java, what's going on, man? How are you this morning? Man, I'm all right. Just making sure I hang up my big coat um, as I took it off this morning because, <laughs> yes, it is. It was, it is, and um, it's going to be cold. I think we're only going to get to, like, the uh, low 50s, maybe the mid-50s uh, today. Uh, so it's a, it's a cold one today. It is. You know, just last week was so warm and all people were asking. I, I mostly keep up with what's going on in the gardens because, you know, I'm, I'm in England for three weeks. Uh, I normally keep up with what's going on through uh, my friends at uh, on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook page. People from, from Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, but all over Mississippi from the coast up to north. You know, what's going on in the garden here is what's blue. Word about here's what we're seeing, that kind of stuff. And last week, somebody said, uh, "Do you think it's too early to to start planting stuff for summer?" And I'm thinking, "Yeah, our average last frost is towards the end. The average last frost is towards the end of March. So a lot of folks, you know, every warm spell to come along, they they think um, it's all over, but nope, it ain't. Not trying to be negative, but there's a lot of cool stuff that goes on in the winter that people overlook because they wish it was spring again. They overlook the flowering quench, the forsythias, the earliest daffodils, the snowflakes, the you know the camellias, the things that made it through the freeze are out there letting us know, hey, everything's not going to be okay. It is okay. And that's what we're going to talk. We're going to bring it to the here and now. Last weekend in, in uh, January 2023, anybody got something they want to yak about that's on their mind, bring it on. Uh, Java, I don't know if I've told you before, but uh, over here in the UK, it's, it's uh, getting towards late afternoon, and uh, and I call Friday. You know, a lot, a lot of people they have a favorite day of the week. Friday's mine because I got I got uh, I got the the Gestalt Gardener, but I got pies and pints. I always uh, walk down to the pie shop, a little local, but you know, every corner has got a a pub or a corner store or a or a pie shop where they actually. It's a local bakery. You know, you the, the baker comes out and brings stuff from his kitchen, you know, while you're there. But I always like to get a, a kind of a Thai hot uh, chicken curry, uh, sort of a, a personal pot pie. And then when I get done, I head down to my pub for a pint of real good dark local made ale. So uh, there, that's my Friday, y'all. But meanwhile, keep me out of the pub. Give me a call. Let's talk about gardening. So, um and uh, by the way, Java, last week a fellow called and he had a really good question that I was sure I could find an answer to, and so far I haven't. I just hadn't. He wanted to know, um, he said he remembered from his, his grandparents' garden, 
uh, a plum tree that he's, he's done about 50, 60 years ago. It's a plum tree uh, that uh, produced every year, and the plums are really, really sweet, and they turn yellow when they're yellow when they're getting ready to ripe. And he said they were big too, so right off the bat, I kind of I ruled out our native Chickasaw plum, which can be yellow uh, or red, but it's, it's it's not that big and it's not really really sweet. But anyway, I went on to a whole bunch of heirloom southern fruit sites and really couldn't find out with something that would specifically answer his question. Although I did find uh, that the two most commonly grown yellow-fruited peaches in the South, uh, one is called, believe it or not, Yellow Gold. That's the name. And Yellow Gold Plum has been around a long time. Uh, but then I found another one that's an heirloom that's been grown in the South uh, for since the 1800s. Uh, it's got medium chilling requirements, which means it'll it'll produce fruit most years in Mississippi, some years it doesn't get enough cold on the coast. Some years it gets a little bit too much in the north, but in general. And it's an old uh, variety from the 1800s called Shiro, S-H-I-R-O. It's a Japanese-type plum, which means uh, that it'll it'll pollinate itself. It's a, it's a good one, but I just don't know if anybody can find these things. Anyway, I'm stumped on heirloom, yellow-fruited, big, sweet plums. Just just stumped on it, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But I'm settled on it, if that makes sense. So now we have our uh, first caller for the um, for the morning. If you're ready to ready to jump into oh, it, Felder. Heck yeah, let's do it. I got plenty of stuff to yak about, but I'm here to talk with other folks. Well, Who let's we talk with uh, let's, let's let's slide up to Memphis and uh, let's talk with Allison this morning. Oh, hey, hey, Allison. Good morning. What's going on in, in Memphis? Uh, well, good morning. Uh, it's quite early here. Um, yeah. Good morning. Um, I, I was wondering about planting tulip bulbs right now or any kind of the other spring bulbs that um, I haven't been able to have any success with planting them in the fall. And I think yeah. it's because they get too wet, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Do you already have the bulbs? No. Uh-uh. Okay. I, I, I would not then. And here, here's the reason why. Uh, most of the bulbs that bloom in the spring are best planted in the fall. First of all, they grow roots in the in in the fall. They put up leaves in the fall in the winter time, and then when they flower, that's from last spring. So the when you plant a bulb from the store, it probably already has the first year's flower in it. It's just they're not going to survive after this year. If you could find some tulips uh, for sale, if you wanted them, you need to put them in the refrigerator. I know it's it's almost February, but if you'll put tulips in the refrigerator for five or six weeks and then pull them out and put them in pots, they'll bloom. They, you know, they're not going to survive, but they'll bloom that, that one time. But things like daffodils and the grape hyacinths and things like that, they really need to have lots of roots and lots of leaves by now. They're already starting to put up, a, you know, you walk around the Memphis Botanic Garden, and they got bulb foliage up all over everywhere so you know it's it's really too late unless you go with some one-shot tulips and even then they need to put okay. the, be put in the fridge for uh, five or six weeks okay yeah we've got the grape hyacinths are coming up already i've got some flower yeah. buds forming and the daffodils yeah. are up of course and the forsythia yeah. as you mentioned earlier okay what about other bulbs like gladiolas um i, I can't even think of the other bulbs uh is fall oh, still the, the best time to plant those no, uh, actually, gladiolus, they're from South Africa. You know, they, they are summer bloomers. It, it, I know a lot of people say, well, technically it's not a bulb, but, you know, we, we know that. Uh, but the, the uh, uh, gladiolus are, are planted in the springtime. 
And a matter of fact, you can plant them several times. You can plant some fresh ones every month and have a continuous uh, uh, display of flowers, the, you know, the, the whole summer, instead of planting them all at once and getting all your flowers at one time. Um, but and, and there's some other really good summer blooming things. Are you familiar with the one called crinum or milk and wine lily? No, I'm not. It's a it's it's a, a really big bulb. It's really super hardy. Uh, we've got, uh, of course, elephant ears. That's that's mostly just just foliage. But um, uh, Spanish bluebells, you can plant those in the fall. Uh, the amaryllis can be planted. They'll still bloom in the spring. Leatrice, uh, tiger lilies, garden lilies, those kind of things. They do perfectly fine. You know, planted uh, in in the spring. So I tell you what, if you wanted, if you would send me uh, an email. I've got a list uh-huh. of, of of the the most dependable daffodils. There's a lot of daffodils that'll bloom, but I'm gonna say for every really good dependable daffodil for for the the, the mid south, there's probably four or five you can buy that'll just bloom once or twice and disappear. But anyway, I've got a list of the most dependable repeat blooming daffodils, and also a couple of dozen super hardy perennial bulbs that'll that'll do well for for decades. You know, you can okay. grow a few more there in Memphis. You know, you can grow uh, some other perennials uh, and I'm, uh, that aren't bald. Things like, you know, of course, daylilies and irises and uh, and even mm-hmm. uh, uh, even some of the, the peonies that we can't grow f- uh, for the South. But shoot, shoot me an email. I'll send you a list of things. And meanwhile, if you find some tulips and want to stick them in the refrigerator for a little half, and they'll bloom really, really quick if you uh, pot some up in some pots after they're in the refrigerator for four, five, six weeks. Okay. Okay. Now, with with these other bulbs, though, can I put anything in the ground now, or is it just too early? Well, it's it's pretty early. You know, um, you know the gladiolus you mentioned. There are some old heirloom varieties of gladiolus that'll come back year after year after year. But most of the time, it's better in the fall if you dig them up and then replant them. Those little flat corn looking things. Uh, but there's really oh. not a whole lot of bulb, bulbs you could plant. You know, right now we're you know, if you can wait till March or April, then we got all spring, summer, and fall, and then wait till next fall to plant stuff that'll bloom this time of year. Great. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Uh, if you want to e- email for that list, if you'll go to felderrushing.blog, and it's got a little little thing that says, click here to email me, and I'll send it right back to you. I'll do that. Thank you. All righty. And uh, well, one other thing. If you get a chance... Wander around. You know where Dixon uh, Gallery, the Dixon Garden, is across from the Botanic Garden. Take, oh, yeah. take a walk through. Take a walk through that woodland. Uh, uh, Dale Skaggs, who's a horticulturist there, landscape architect, he has the most astounding deep winter garden you'll find anywhere in your part of the country. It's a nice little visit on a, on a pretty weekend in the middle of the winter. I think you'll see some cool stuff. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you for calling, Allison. Okay, now let's slide down the road just a little ways to Lafayette County, to Oxford. Hey, Jesse, good morning. How are you? Morning. Um, I had some questions about my rosemary. My rosemary bush, after that real deep cold we have, then turned yeah. brown, and most of the pine needles are starting to fall off of it. Do you think yeah. that frost probably killed it? And I'm gonna have to. And another question is, can you replant them, or do they grow back from uh, maybe any seed pods that it drops? Well, it won't be, it won't come back from seeds. You don't see rosemary seeding around. It's got tiny little blue flowers, uh, and I don't know that I've ever seen it uh, seed around in the, in the south. It will in 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 the Mediterranean where it's native. Uh, but the big question is, is yours dead? Will it come back? And the answer is, 
nobody knows. I don't know in my own garden. I've got rosemary in big containers. I've got one that's waist high in the ground. I've got one in the back of my pickup truck, and they look completely dead. Some are starting to sprout back out. We just don't know yet. And and there's not even much way to tell. What I would do would be just to wait. If you can wait till uh, a month till March and then cut them back. If it has any life left at all, it will sprout back out from down low. Uh, but there's no way to tell right now. I, I don't know anybody who can tell if the rosemary is alive or not. It's just been a tough one. So th- one of the things to always think about is rosemary is uh, is to every summer, every fall. Root a couple of little plants. They root in water in three weeks and keep one in the windowsill in case you need to set one back out the next spring. Insurance. Okay. Yeah, see, I always try to trim back trim back around uh, September, October, and I have that right. for my pantry, and I keep that in my herb herb garden. But uh, yeah. also every year uh, I usually uh, pull my seed pods off of my sage and sprinkle that yeah. around the base of the pot, and they usually start growing back uh, as the following uh-huh. uh yeah, but sage is a whole different plant family. Not not even closely related to, to rosemary. Uh, so you know, again, I've never I've never noticed seed pods on my rosemary. I've been growing it for a long time. The only place I see it seeding around is in places like you know Spain and Italy and places around the the, the Mediterranean where it natural where it's from. I just I've, I've never seen rosemary come up anywhere outside where it was originally planted in the south. In, anyway. Uh, next fall, if you plant another one, which I always do, if mine get killed dead as a doorknob, I'm going to replant. That's just it's just a pretty plant. I like to cook with it. Uh, it's just a it's just a good durable plant. But uh, next fall, when you trim it, take some of those cuttings, four, five, six inches long, and root some of them to keep in the windowsill just in case. Okay, thank you very much. Have okay, a good weekend. luck, on Jeff. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate it. All righty, folks, we got uh, other callers on the line. I'm horticulturist Phil Rushing. Uh, not a know-it-all. I've learned a lot. I've written a lot. I've, uh, I've, I've been shown a lot. I've, I've messed up a lot, just like everybody else. But I won't try to sell you anything, and I won't try to blow smoke. If I don't know something, I will say it. And I'll try to find out, or I depend on you to call in and help me out. It's not an ego thing. It's gardening. A couple of events coming up. There's one that's in a, just under a month. I do my annual home fruit seminar fruit plants that do that that double as landscape plants or i should say good quality landscape plants that part of the year make something you could eat but it's home fruits for the landscape it's a free seminar it's going to be on saturday february the 25th it's at a garden center in jackson called Hutto's. it's free i've been doing this for years and years and years and i don't do it for for money actually i tell them uh, i'll do this seminar if i can put bags of mulch in the back of my pickup truck so i work for dirt when it comes to helping folks have good quality fruit plants for the landscape if you're interested in doing this if you'll send me an email i've got a list of all sorts of stuff really good heirloom repeat blooming roses hardy bulbs uh, fruit for the landscape, uh, native plants for the landscape. If you send me an email, I'll be glad to send you uh, my list of some of the, the, the best quality types of fruit and the best varieties of these for landscapes. Go to my blog, blog, and click on email me. I'll be glad to send it to you. I've got plenty of other stuff to talk about, but we're here to yak with you, so let's slide uh, down to Florida. I'm not sure where, and talk with Gail. Gail, where are you calling from? Well, good morning. I am calling from Central Florida, Orlando area. Central. 
I've been down there. You know, I do stuff uh, for for uh, for Disney there at Epcot. They have a floral festival. I've, I've been there lots of times. So what you got going on? <laughs> well, I wanted to call and give you kudos. Uh, I'm a beginner uh, when it comes to uh, planning uh, spices and things like that. And yeah. you gave some advice a couple of weeks ago about planting garlic. So uh-huh. I got a pot and I put some dirt in it and I put my bulbs in there and. As of yesterday, they're already sprouting, so I am wow. grateful to you. I just wanted to call in and let you know that I am a success story because of you. Oh. Okay, now, now, now I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much here, but you ain't a success story till you get some garlic to eat. So right now you're okay. going to sprout it. Now, what the, you know, if you've got a little bit of houseplant or potted plant type of fertilizer, just a you know, not even just a, a, a not even a tablespoon, and sprinkle around the pot, and then put it out where it gets sunshine in the wintertime. It needs winter sun, a little bit of fertilizer, then that's better. And you can also need to stake it because they get big. They can get knee high or tall. They might flop over. So put you a, a, a plant stake or or maybe straighten out a uh, a coat hanger and make a little halo at the top, like a little kid's uh, a halo type thing, something to hold them up. And, uh, okay, and they, they should do fine. They should great. do fine. So, well, well I wanted to plant some green onions. Can I do the same process for green onions? Yes. Uh, you know, green onions, they grow a little bit different, you know, but, but you know, they grow in bunches. But, yeah, as a matter of fact, a, a pot of green onions beside a pot of garlic, all you need besides that would be a pot of some kind of little flowers so you have three pots or something pretty to look at. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Be sure to let us know. Uh, and you can leave the garlic alone until until the leaves turn yellow. When they turn yellow, then you can dig them up and they'll have bulbs. They don't make bulbs till right before the leaves turn yellow. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Woohoo! All righty. Bye bye now. <laughs> Java. Before we get next call. I, I I accidentally let her woohoo, didn't I? You did, but I think you 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 really meant that woohoo because I, 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 I actually did not. I did oh. not. It just came out. But it might be that the cheesy tune is because I'm a woohoo kind of guy. Hey. But it, 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 anyway, I I got something to talk about about that. But meanwhile, let's go to uh, Louisiana. Talk with no James in there anymore. Yeah, no, no James Jay, yeah James in Louisiana. Oh, hey, James. James, howdy. You're on the air. What can we help you with? Uh, my question is about some sago palms. I, I built my house 23 years ago, and I planted four sago palms in the flower bed. Yeah. And one of them is extra well. I've stalked up about five feet, six inches tall. And one is still hugging the ground, but it's growing. It's a great big old yeah. brown hug that is growing. It made, right. a, made a flower, and it looked like a wasp nest this year. Then I got right. Two, Growing at all the same size 20, 23 years ago that I when I potted them out, and the one that's stalked up has got small ones on. I want I want to know what what's two questions. What is wrong with the ones that won't grow, and and is it when is a good time to, and how do you cut those those uh, small ones off that uh, big one so you replant? Okay, I I can help with this. Uh, f- first of all, you can plant a hundred sagos out there. And one's going to do better than all the rest, and one's not going to do anything, and everything else can be somewhere in between. It's just like a, a family with a whole bunch of kids. they got the same parents. Some are going to be rocket scientists. Some are not. You know what I'm saying. 
So, uh, you know, it's just a little, it, 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 it depends on how much water it gets, how much light it gets. There's all sorts of factors that make the plant grow better or, or, or not so well. So I, I don't know why your others aren't doing as well. I will say this, though. The ones that, this, this, that's got that what looks like a wasmus in the middle, that's a female. Those are, that, that's where the seeds are. Seeds look like big brown butter beans, big brown butter beans. And, the, you know, sagos come as separate male and female. One has a little cone with pollen. One has what looks like a wash nest that makes seeds in it. So it's separate male and female. Uh, so I don't know why your others aren't doing as well, but the ones that got them around the base, I, I propagate. I, I've done that so many times I can't tell you. All you got to do is put on some heavy gloves because if you don't, it's got little – it's got little – they're not stickers. They're not thorns. There's little sharp things down in there that will eat your fingers up. Anyway, put on some gloves, grab it, and twist it off of the plant. Try to get you know a little, you know as much of the root as you can, but just twist them off. Stick them in a little bit of some potting soil, and they'll start growing roots this spring. So just twist them off. Just twist off some of those little ones and put them in some pots, and and uh, and, and let's see what happens. Should do fine. Thank you, sir. All right, appreciate it. You know, I mentioned there's I got this fruits thing coming up, but next weekend in Jackson, uh, one block north of the state capitol, downtown Jackson, is an old cemetery, what they call an old garden park type cemetery. It used to be like botanic gardens with the old fashioned tombstones. Anyway, it's called Greenwood Cemetery, downtown Jackson, and we've got one of the largest, if not the largest, collection of cemetery roses. In the South, maybe the country, uh, ever blooming shrubs. They bloom from spring till frost. They're pretty. They don't. They don't need. They grow in a cemetery. That's how tough they are. Uh, lots of different colors and shapes and sizes. Anyway, they're doing their annual pruning next Saturday, February the fourth, and it's a volunteer type thing. The, the, the rose, old garden rose society, antique rose people will be there. Master gardens will be there. And if you want to come down and help. They will show you, they'll let you take as many cuttings as you want and show you how they root them this time of year. So this is the time of year to start rooting cuttings of shrub-type roses. Um, and if you can make it down downtown uh, Jackson next Saturday, February the 4th, in the morning, they're going to have a whole bunch of folks out there. And it's not a bunch of heavy pruning. It's light pruning, just sort of neatening stuff up. But that's where they get the cuttings to root these wonderful old roses. So I hope some of y'all can make it down there. Also, in the next week or so, I'm going to have somebody from the uh, co- the Gulf Coast Camellia Society give us a, uh, uh, an update on their programs. Um, now, before I get to that, though, the one of the most important plants of this time of year, and there's lots of stuff blooming. For Scythias, I mentioned the red flowering quince, camellias. There's some camellias that made it fine through the wintertime. Uh, there's quite a few plants that bloom. But one of the most important groups are called daffodils, and their Latin name is Narcissus. All daffodils are Narcissus. Narcissus are commonly called daffodils. A whole bunch of different kinds, though. There's the ones with the cluster of little white flowers that are real fragrant called paper whites. There's the one that's got the, the little small yellow flowers so intensely, sweetly fragrant, and the leaves are shaped like little quills, like 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 little um spear-like things. They're not flat like a butter knife. Those are the true jonquils. But one of the earliest that blooms across the South is actually native to, to Europe and England. It's called the lint lily, L-E-N-T. Lint lily uh, is a, kind of a short one, only gets up a, you know less than a foot or so tall. And it's yellow. Some people call them buttercups. And those, the yellow petals are swept forward. they got a little short cup, and the petals are 
swept floor like being blown from behind. That's the old lint lily. It's one of the most dependable, spreading, uh, repeat blooming. You can grow it in the lawn all winter, blooms in the, in the wintertime, and when it's time to mow your grass, they're gone. See, so if you have a perfect lawn, you can grow a lint lily, some of these other early blooming daffodils, and have a nice little winter meadow and then just a regular summer lawn. If you see some of these, here's my point. If you see some of these blooming out there, if you can help it, try not to dig them up while they're in bloom. I know you got to. I know. I understand. But if you dig a daffodil while it's in bloom, a lot of times that makes it skip a year blooming because they make their flower bud after they finish blooming. So if you see some you like, mark them. Put some kind of little thing where you can find them later. Maybe cut a few flowers and put them in a vase so you have something to think about, so you have instant gratification. And besides that, if you're just cutting flowers, you can wave to people to drive by catching you. If you've got a handful of bulbs, they know you're stealing them. So just cut a few, mark them, and then go back when the leaves start to turn yellow or die down. That's when to dig them, and they won't even skip a year. You know, if you don't really get excited about saying woohoo, there's something wrong with this, that's all I can say. Life is too short. Not have at least, you know, be nice to somebody every day, but... You know, say woohoo at least once a day. I mean, come on, this is good for you. It makes you feel better. But uh, anyway, and speaking of woohoo, if you want to attract some really interesting color and motion and drama to your winter garden, put on a bird feeder. It doesn't have to be a fancy bird feeder. It can be a simple platform type feeder. You could take uh, a, a, a a nursery. Uh, what is it? The the thing that goes on a nursery pot, the can, whatever you call it, the nursery pot the the thing that goes under a pot to keep water from getting on your rug can't <laughs> saucer it's called saucer get you go to go to a, a garden center get you a big uh tall saucer nail it to a post out there put you in the bird cedar uh, drill some holes around the edge so, so it doesn't stay full of rainwater but if you'll fill that up with some bird seed cheap black oil sunflower seed you'll have all kinds of birds, big bird, little bird, little bird chasing big bird, big bird chasing little bird, red and blues and all different kinds of drama and everything from a feeder. Yeah, you'll get some squirrels too, but that's just part of it, part of it. Uh, anyway, nothing better for attracting interest and color and motion and drama than a real simple platform type bird feeder. So that's all it takes. Um, you know, you can make your own uh, with, with some heavy hardware cloth. Anything that'll let water drain out of it so that you don't get too much, so it doesn't turn into to soup. Anyway, really good uh, way to attract color. If you have a bird feeder, I know it's cold outside, not a bird feeder, a bird bath. It's cold outside, but every now and then go out and pour you some warm water out there. Keep some open water because uh, birds need water, uh, especially when it's frozen out there. So if you get a chance to do something like that, put it where you can look out of the window. If squirrels irritate you too much, just don't do it. But I'm, I'm just saying, a good way to brighten up the wintertime. One other quick uh, quick tip, and, and by the way, our lines are wide open. You want to give us a call? For some reason, I guess my woohoo scares some people off or something. Uh, we'll talk to you about your garden. Uh, right now, we're starting to see uh, uh, some of the winter weeds coming up in the lawn. Uh, you know, not just the, the violets, the dandelions, the henbit, things like that, the wild onion, wild garlic, but also stickers. Stickers look like little tufts of parsley, little ferny green things. And they're not bothering you right now, but when they go to seed, those are the stickers that stick in your feet. If you have stickers in the spring, you need to control them now. 
while the while the plants are small, they're actively growing every warm day that comes along. They're very easy to control right now. But by the time they make those tiny little white flowers, start making stickers, it's too late to do anything then. So be proactive or get you some flip-flops because there's nothing you can do about it uh, come uh, April or May when they're a problem, too late to do anything about it. So, uh, Java, I was going to uh, – uh, have I ever shared with you my little list of – of uh, garden-related stuff you can do with kids. Have I ever sent that to you? Um, no, I don't think you have. You sent me um, a couple a couple ideas, but I don't think you've ever sent me the the full. Uh, it's a PDF, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of stuff. It's not just how to you know, because as you know, you know, being a being a, a proud dad, kids of different ages have different interests. You can't get them all on the same page. And so I've come up with uh, with working with other people. Across the country, I'm with the American Horticulture Society. We have the Youth Gardening Committee. We we actually designed a children's garden at Epcot that was designed for children of all ages. Anyway, I've got a list of easy plants for children to grow, which, by the way, they're easy for grown-ups to grow, too. I'm just saying. You don't have to be a horticulturist to be a gardener. You can garden like a kid and probably have more fun. But anyway, it's got easy plants that are quick, good fast gratification it got some simple projects that can be made with stuff found around the house easy little projects that are not a lot of them are garden related you know homemade bird feeders you know that kind of thing but uh, a whole lot of them are just outdoor active easy things that can be done indoors or out put outside uh, a simple scarecrow made with a stick and a clothes hanger and a long sleeve dress or shirt and then a, a head made out of a, a, a milk cart with a face drawn on it. it kind of had, you know, simple ideas uh, for children. Uh, there are a lot of projects, a lot of plant stuff. It's a free thing, folks, and I send it out. It's a compilation of the best ideas from my two children's gardening books, which were based on working with children all over the country. Not a bunch of grown-ups saying, here's what kids need to do. This is what kids actually do. And a matter of fact, the instructions were written by 4-H children from DeSoto County. My first book on children uh, gardening, uh, all the projects in it were, were were done by 4-H kids, and they wrote the instructions in their language. So anyway, shoot me an email, uh, blog. It's got a little thing that says email me, and I'll send you this thing on kids, easy plants, good projects, and also how they think. Meanwhile, let's slide down to Ocean Springs and talk with Jody. Good morning, Jody. How are you? Hey, good morning. Hi. I have a quick question. Yeah. yeah. So I, I yeah. bought a, I bought a lot that um, on one end of it, it has a crepe myrtle that's been unattended for years. And um, what's happened there is that it's got all these stalks and other crates, I guess you would call it, that came up all around it. And I'm not sure. Yeah. Do I just cut all those out? Yeah, yeah, that's about hard. It, it, to me, it, and I probably use this too much. This it's like uh, it's like errant eyebrows. You know, your eyebrows come out wrong places too. You just pluck out the ones you don't want, leave the ones you do want. And there's really, Jody, there's no way to keep them from coming back. If you cut them as close as you can with where they start growing, that'll slow them down. And if you can get it to where you can either mow or string trim up there, you can get the new ones as they come up when they're real tender before they get woody again. But cut them as close, uh, low as you can, and just try to make it where you can get in there with a mower or a string trimmer uh, once a year while they're still tender. 
and uh, cut in and it come back up. That's kind of normal. You know, a lot of people don't realize crepe myrtles, we grow them as trees, but they're really more like shrubs. They're tall, narrow, woody shrubs in and, and their native habitat. I've seen them in Japan, seen them in Asia, and they're really large, blooming shrubs, and they naturally come up from suckers. I, I understand. I sure appreciate your help with this. Thank you. That's it. That's it. You got a new yard. That's the only question. Come on. That's it, sir. I'm listening <laughs> to your show, though. Okay. Hey, hey, listen, if you get a chance, and on a pretty weekend, drive up north on the highway. Do you know where uh, the shed is, the barbecue place? Sure, there. Yeah. Yeah. Notice their yeah. bottle trees, how, how their bottle trees just shine in the winter sun. I'm just saying. You know, you could you could slip a couple of bottles on some branches of your crepe myrtle tree. If they're green bottles or clear bottles, nobody will notice but you, but it'll make you smile. I'm just saying. Uh, good idea. Thanks again. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> you bet. You know, Java, a lot of people don't realize, you know, we, we a lot of people think of bottle trees as being poor man's stained glass or, or redneck Dale Shihuly surf or whatever. But, you know, glass shining in the sun pumps up your pineal gland. It makes you feel better. It's like seeing daffodil. Color is good for us in the wintertime. It helps keep away that seasonal affective disorder, the the winter blues. Uh, you know, just sticking a bottle on a piece of rebar out in a bare flower bed going to make you smile. The neighbors will talk about you, but heck, just say woohoo and keep on going. <laughs> and they're going to do that anyway. They're going to talk about you that, anyway. That, that, that's right. That's right. Give them something that's easy to talk about. Maybe they won't notice the real stuff. <laughs> anyway, let's slide up to Jackson. Dexter, how are you this morning? How are you doing? I, I was wondering if it's okay to plant Asiatic jasmine at this time of year. Yeah, if you can find it, it looks really, really bad. You know, Asiatic jasmine got hit real hard by that freeze a month or so ago. Right. Uh, a lot of, that's what happened. You know, it, yeah. it happened to me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you cut it down, it'll come back. You know, don't, don't cut it flush to the ground, but if you cut it back to a few inches tall, it should sprout out perfectly fine. This happens even up in Memphis. You know, every it happens all the time up in North Mississippi. It gets burned back in a even a normal winter. But I've got a pretty good bit of Asiat jazz. I'm thinking if you cut it back, it'll sprout back out come spring. But, okay, but these, were bulbs, yeah, these were these were new bulbs that died. I had just planted them in September, and when the freeze, hard freeze came, all of them died. Yeah. Okay, now this is that ground cover called Asiatic jasmine, a little viney-looking yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, they, you know, they, they might still come back. But anyway, if you can get it, most of the garden centers that sell Asiatic jasmine, their stock got hit also. It was out there in the open, too. You know, Asiatic jasmine didn't get thrown in the greenhouse like their like, like they're, they're big stuff. So it, you may not find it that looks all that good right now. So, But anyway, to answer your question, yeah, you can close it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. Okay. Appreciate it. Okay. So anyway, Asiatic jasmine. I'm really worried about my star jasmine. Uh, it's also called Confederate jasmine. Confederate star jasmine. One of the plants that made my front yard. I mean, it's a huge. Had it growing on a great big arbor, completely covered, real fragrant, solid flowers. Um, anyway, it looks dead as a doorknob right now. And I'm hoping if I cut it back, it'll sprout back out. We're all in the same boat, folks. We're all in the same boat. Then you have to just cut out the obviously dead stuff and wait and see on the rest. Anyway, um, let's let's ping pong back down to Ocean Springs. Okay. Well, what's up, Mark? Um, I want to give a tip about uh, lawn care. Um, uh-huh. Not that you've never mentioned it. I'm sure you have. But for people who are thinking they need to get out and rake the rest of the leaves that are, you know, coming down, that it's much better. I just read this online. 
to go ahead and mow it and let the leaves provide the micronutrients for the soil. And yeah. um, also, uh, it said that Michigan State did a study and that prevents dandelions by 60%. Yeah, well, th- that th- that might be true in Michigan, but it ain't true in the South <laughs> because dandelions <laughs> will come up through... They'll come up through cardboard. Uh, but, but no, it is important. You know, I tell people all the time, don't rake your leaves. Mow them into little bits. And it, it doesn't so much, it's not the micronutrients. What happens is earthworms come up and they eat this stuff. They're like upside-down cows. Cows wander around mm-hmm. on top of the ground eating hay. Worms come up at night and eat this stuff, and they circulate it down down around roots, and they leave good deep holes for air and water and roots and all. So it really feeds the worms. Um, and I tell people to mow them as long as you can, and when you just can't see the grass anymore, then rake a few. But anyway, it's a good idea. But no, it really won't help on dandelions. I, I wish it did, but mulch, a lot of these things come right up through that. Oh, okay. Well, it also said to, to kind of rake it in, you know, so maybe that yeah, might well, help too. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. But again, and, and I, I'm absolutely on your side, 100. percent I work with with people in the in mid upper Midwest, and I, I lecture at Michigan State all the time. They have a different kind of grass. They have things like ryegrass and bent grass and fescue. It's a, a completely different kind of grass than the kind of stuff we have, which has runners. Their grass doesn't have runners. But the idea of mowing the leaves uh, and letting them recycle on the ground, it is a terrific idea, no matter where you live. Okay. I have two more quick things to say. I remember when I called a long time ago about asking about bayou plants. You told me about one called Itea, and it's the Virginia yeah. Sweet Spire. And I picked one right. up in Gaucher and planted it, and I can't wait to see what it does. I'm sure it's going to be gorgeous. Also, it should do great. A couple of days ago at where I live, I had a baby possum, not a possum, a raccoon, a baby raccoon. And um, it found a safe place in my compost. And I was so worried about it because, you know, we put a little trail of kitty food, hoping the bigger raccoons would come and take it out, but they didn't. So we called the Gulf Coast um, Animal Wildlife Rehab, and the lady came and got it. Anyway, turns out it had distemper, and it had gone blind, and Mm. poor little baby. Yeah, they had to put it down at the animal hospital. But anyway, well, you, the lady you, at the animal you, hospital, when I called to check on it, said, make sure if you have any animals to make sure they have had their boosters because it's a, a big, it's big right now, the distemper. Yeah. It's all over. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Especially, you know, do- dogs, I think, you know, I think it should be routinely that you treat dogs for that. But, uh, you know, the, the wild animals, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. And unfortunately, a lot of times when we come in contact with wildlife like that, it's because is having trouble. But you did the right yeah. thing. You did the right thing, Marcy. Okay. All right. Well, Pre- thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate your call. Welcome. Oh, boy. All right. Now, we've got time to uh, slide up. Let's slide up to Kosciuszko. Hey, Tommy, good morning, sir. Well, good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm fine. I was in Kosciuszko at the library back in the fall. We had a nice little crowd talking about stuff. Yeah, it was good meeting. I got a question for you about uh, rooting a, a fig tree branch. We fix a yeah. timber a fig tree. Yeah. And I need to know about how long I should make the the trim uh, for the to root it. And uh, yeah, it's a good question. 
Well, here, here's the deal. The, the, the best parts of the fig to root are going to be about uh, uh, oh, 8, 10 inches, 12 inches long, you know, n- not too much longer than that, and not any bigger around than your fingers. So, so follow the branches back from where they stopped growing back in the fall back to where they started growing a year ago and root some of the, the pieces towards the end. You know, not real thick stuff and not real skinny stuff, but I'm going to say about as big around as some of your fingers and about 8 or 10 inches long. Uh, you can stick them in some pots of potting soil most of the way in. If you've got some good dirt and flower beds, you can stick them those. The easiest thing is fill up some pots with some potting soil. Stick three or four in each one and leave them outside in a protected place. Don't don't bring them inside. Put them up against a house or something where they where they don't stay, you know, too warm. And and they should root sometime in the spring. Okay, you don't put them in water. Like you know, just don't drip them. Don't put them in a, a coke bottle, right? You know, some some people have success doing that, but you know, uh, the the tens of thousands of people have rooted figs. They just stick them in some pots of dirt. Okay, I'll just what I'll do then. Sure All righty, man. Appreciate uh, you coming, man. So See much. You. you bet, Tommy. Okay, now let's slide down to Mobile and talk to Francis. Good morning, lady. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm enjoying this gorgeous weather. Um, yeah. My orange tree. My orange tree had some oranges, and I was going to yeah. call you earlier um, to find out how do I prune it now that I've had the oranges and it's getting too big for where it's at. However, we had weather, and now the yeah. thing looks dead. Yeah. What do I do? Do I let it just sit there and hope that it'll come back? Can I prune it? Well, do I... The, well for, first of all, uh, under the best of conditions, the way you prune it is you thin stuff out. If something is really tall... You cut it back flush with something not so tall. Stuff that's cluttered, you got two branches, one's real, they're too close to each other. Decide one or the other and cut it off. In other words, just thin out some of the tall stuff, thin out some of the branches, and, uh, and just leave, you know, more of an open plant that's growing up and out. Get rid of all the clutter in the middle. So the idea is just to thin it out. And, and also to not leave stubs. Whatever you cut off, Follow it back to where it started growing and cut it right where it starts growing off of something else. Those two things are the, the most important principles. Um, because we had that really hard freeze, we may have gotten some winter damage on, on some twig. Just don't know yet. So if you wanted to wait uh, until things start uh, uh, leaping out, you can see better what's alive and not. The problem with that is your heart gets soft. You don't want to cut off something that's got leaves on it. Well, you ought to cut that stuff off anyway. So just make your body okay. prune it either now or wait till it leaves out. But either way, just thin stuff out. You can also scratch the, the bark on these twigs and branches. If it's bright green right beneath the bark, that's alive. So you can cut back to there. So in general, just thin out the clutter, make the plant less thick and less tall, and don't leave stumps. Those are the real uh, rules of thumb for that. And Felder, if you can believe it or not, man, that's the end of the show. Oh, man. Here comes the theme in three, two, one. (laughs) Well, you know the theme. There's no question about that. Anyway, we've talked about heirloom plums. We've talked a little bit about camellias, about lawn care, about daffodils. We've talked about woohooing and all that stuff. Plenty of other things to talk about. If you have questions during the week, shoot me an email. Go to felderrushing.blog. Click on the little thing that says email me. Or go to Mississippi Gardening Facebook. We've got 30,000 gardeners who are ready to share with you what they know. 
Meanwhile, if you get a chance, I know it's the end of January. I know we got a lot of weird stuff, but garden centers have got some things you can do or you can take a kid to. So go to a garden center, get you a pot, get your bag of potted soil, get you some flowers, and a few other things. Something to put out in the yard to make you smile the rest of this winter. We need smiles, and gardening does it. If you get a chance, take a kid with you and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.